Welcome back to Pedagogy Non Grata, where we bridge the gap between scientific literature and teaching in the classroom. I'm your host, Joseph, and I'm going to be talking about mindfulness today. So I wanted to explore this idea of whether or not mindfulness has any um, statistical efficacy behind it, according to the scientific literature. Um, mindfulness has really risen in popularity over the last five years. And to be clear, what mindfulness is, is a um, program that focuses on both combining meditation and direct instruction to help people to become more self-aware and more conscious of their actions, sort of allowing them to identify why they behave the way they do and teach them techniques to um, bring their emotions more into control so they can uh, make better choices and decisions about their life or even in the moment. It's also used as a way of de-stressing. Um, it's really focused on the implementation of mindfulness without spirituality. Um, there are two programs that are really popular for schools in the United States surrounding this conflict, or concept. The most popular one, I believe, is called um, Minds Up, and that's actually started by Goldie Hawn, the actress. And the other one is called Kids Have Stress Too. Um, I will say, actually, interestingly, or maybe not interestingly, I was um, assigned to do a program within my school this year um, to get other teachers to um, start using the Minds Up program. So my job was to uh, learn as much as I could about the program and then encourage other teachers to use the program and help them with that process, teach them about mindfulness and uh, its potential uses and help them plan lessons surrounding it. Um, which I will say was an interesting experience. Um, and the buy-in from teachers was, I will say, higher than I was expecting. I didn't actually expect there to be an immense buy-in, but there was. And I'll talk a little bit more about my personal beliefs and experiences with mindfulness towards the end. But I want to get back to what does the evidence say. Um, so I looked at a meta-analysis by Gomez Almeida done in 2020 on social outcomes. Um, however, I was not able to find a meta-analysis on um, academic outcomes, which was shocking to me because there's often claims made by mindfulness um, instructors that there's strong correlation between academic results and mindfulness programs. In fact, there's only one paper to my knowledge written on the topic, and it was done by Camilla et al. in 2019. And in fact, she wrote in her paper uh, in the start, quote, there is no direct evidence that mindfulness per se is associated with academic achievement, end quote. Um, so to inform my process, I'm borrowing from both of these papers. Um, however, I want to make the point that uh, the social outcomes or the psychological outcomes are far more reliable um, than the academic ones, as we only have one paper looking at the academic outcomes. Moreover, the Camille et al. paper did not directly study the results of implementing a mindfulness program on academics, rather compared students' level of mindfulness on a math questionnaire score with their academic achievement. And her study looked at 2,311 students. So overall, she found that there was a small but statistically significant correlation between students showing high levels of personal mindfulness and academic achievement. So the results were as follows. So the effects of mindfulness has been shown to have an, emotion, an improvement on students' emotion regulation by an effect size of 0.37. This is a moderate to small effect size. Uh, it is statistically significant, um, but it is below the average education intervention in general. Um, on standardized test scores, we find an effect size of 0.23, uh, 
which is small but statistically significant. Improving attendance has an effect size of 0.22. Um, again, small but statistically significant. Um, mindfulness overall has an effect size of 0.19, small but statistically um, or significant. Uh, on improving resilience, it has an effect size of 0.16. On um, empathy and social outcomes, um, we have an effect size of 0.14, so that's very small, but statistically significant. And on reducing suspensions, we have a effect size of 0.03, which is not statistically significant in any way. So um, I think it's clear when we look at these results that mindfulness can definitely help students, that there's definitely some evidence that it does. Um, but that the impact of mindfulness on students' outcomes are low. Um, so I think when we look at low student outcome strategies, we have to think about the time opportunity and the cost of implementing it. For example, um, like I said earlier, the post, the highest, sorry, the best case scenario we're kind of looking at for improving academics is in effects as 0.2. Well, what if we took um, an intervention, a teaching intervention that had um, an effect size four times that. So we're seeing four times the results from using that intervention on helping student learning. Um, and there are plenty of uh, teaching strategies that have four times this level of result. For example, RTI, um, individualized instruction, um, self-assessment, high expectations. All of these things have you know, outcomes of four times or higher than um, mindfulness. However, I think when we look at the fact that mindfulness isn't just helping academic outcomes, it's looking at social outcomes, I think we have more of a compelling argument because students' holistic well-being is important. But I do think, like I said, we have to consider the time constraints. So my best guess of this is that mindfulness is helpful to students, but that teachers shouldn't spend so much time on implementing it that it takes away from their implementation of a more effective strategy or from a core subject. For example, I don't know that we should take five minutes out of a math class to do mindfulness. Um, if we are waiting for announcements to come on the speaker um, before we start our class, that might be a good time to do five minutes of mindfulness with your students. Or if we are doing... Um, uh, if we are doing art and art period, maybe it makes sense to take five minutes out of the art period or a gym period, five minutes out of the gym period to do a little bit of mindfulness. Um, and I think focusing, a lot of mindfulness focuses on sort of mindset building. I think it, that might be one of the better places to focus time. But I also think like there are tons of like five minute meditation videos out there on YouTube that you can find that are great. Putting one of those on while you're getting yourself settled and organized and telling the students to respect that process and be silent during that time can go a long way actually, just in the sense that I think there's value in silence. I think there's value in having that time of day when um, everyone is quiet, not just for this, the teacher, but for the students. Um, I, I know I feel less stressed after doing that, but at the same time, I can remember being a student and remember like hearing the roar of the class and just thinking like, I would love silence for a minute. Um, I was recently teaching a language lesson, um, to some students I have and, uh, the, the kids were being too noisy and I had music playing 
Um, but they're just being too noisy. I, they weren't working. So I said, all right, look, we're going to do five minutes of silent time because this is not working for me. We're not learning. And I turned out the lights. I left the music on. And at the end of the five minutes, the class actually asked if they could continue working silently. I let them vote on it because I, I wanted to give them a choice. And the vote was unanimous at the end of the class. Um, we had spent something like 40 minutes just listening to music quietly without talking, working on our language work. And the kids loved it. It was their idea. Um, and I think it can be just psychologically healthy when you you think about how loud 30 students in one room can be, if, especially if you're there for six hours and you don't go home for lunch as a student. I, I feel like that's it's a lot. So I think one of the most valuable find part, parts of mindfulness can be just remembering to give our students some silent time in a day and not even using it as a punishment or a consequence, but using it as just like, hey, we need this. We all need this for our, our well-being. And I think it's okay to say that to the students. Um, that's it for today's episode, though. If you have any questions, um, you can check us out on Facebook. I have an article written on this topic, which you can find at www.pedagogynongrata.com. Or if you're interested in um, supporting the podcast in anyway, or you want to purchase lesson plans or smart board games from us, you can check out our store on teacherspayteachers.com under the brand name Pedagogy Non Grata. That's it for now, folks. And until next time.